0: got an iPhone or a smartphone of some sort with their Bible on there. Okay. I believe God, the Lord has something good for us this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get ready to receive the Word of God today. Amen. Father, we love you today. We thank you, Lord, for the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. We thank you for that today, Lord. Send the bread from heaven for Jesus Christ to reveal himself today in our lives, in all of his glory, in all of his splendor, and all of his majesty. Lord, we receive the word with meekness today. We declare that our hearts are good soil to receive the word that it might produce some 30, some 60, 100-fold. Father, I'm asking you this morning to correct wrong thinking, to straighten crooked thoughts, to make darkness light before us and make crooked paths straight. We thank you, Lord, that your word will sustain us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Pastor Brian started a series last week called Grace in a Manger we found out that the manger tells us something. The manger told us that God's plan is on display. God's power is on display in his plans. There's nothing, there's no plan that God has established that man's going to frustrate. It may seem like it, It may seem like it's on delay. It may seem like it's been denied. But no man, no circumstance, no government, no king, no emperor is going to frustrate the plans of God. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says this. For I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good, thoughts for good and not evil. Plans that are going to give you a future And a hope. Psalm 139, the psalmist said this. How precious are your thoughts towards me, O Lord. How vast is the sum of them. If I was to count them, they would outnumber the sand on the seashore. So God has good thoughts that he's brought for us today. Not only does he have a plan for the church, not only does he have a plan for the millennial kingdom, not only does he have a plan for us to dwell with him throughout eternity, but he's got a plan for you and I individually as brothers and sisters, as husbands and wives, as young people, while we're here on this earth. If you're a a high school student or a college student and you're a junior and you're senior or a senior, somebody might ask you, well, what's your plans after you graduate? If you're an engaged couple or maybe a young married couple, somebody might say, well, do you have plans to have children? Okay. If if you're somebody that's thinking about relocating, somebody might ask you a question, well, what's the plans when you get there? Are you going to buy a house? Are you going to get a job? What what are your plans? God has plans for us that are already prearranged in advance for us to walk in by faith. Where does God reveal those plans? 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says this. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So the first place that God reveals his plans is in his word. This book is a combination of an Old and a New Testament. And a testament is a legal document that lists what a testator will leave and bequeath to an heir. In order for the testament to be in effect, there has to be the death of a testator. As long as the testator is alive, the will is not in effect. The good news is, Jesus died and rose again from the dead God raised him up from the dead to probate this last will and testament and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high today watching over his word to perform it as the guarantee the new covenant and he wants to see that word come to pass in our lives so don't you think it's incumbent don't you think it's to our advantage that we find out what's in this book Hosea chapter 4, 6 says, My people perish because lack of knowledge. We live in a world that is overwhelmingly inundated with knowledge. They say that the knowledge that on the web that has increased over the past five years, the first 10 years, there was only 5%. 95% of the knowledge that's on the web has just increased within the past three years. And things that come across a tablet or a phone... Oh, I, oh, I got I to gotta look at that newscast. Oh, I got to look at that Twitter. I got re- to read that article. What a waste of time. God wants us to redeem the time wisely. And this book, Romans chapter 11, verse 33 says this. Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. It's incumbent upon us. It behooves us to find out what this book says about God's overall plan and what what he says specifically about his plan for our lives. In order for that plan to be carried out, although it's a perfect plan, guess what? Sometimes we need encouragement. Sometimes we need a little redirection. Even before I was saved, I was raised up in Long Island, went to college, got a college degree, put on my suit and tie, went to New York City for an ob- inter- job interview. I said, you know what, this, this isn't for me, before I'm saved went back to school, got a college degree, master's degree, taught PE.. My first job was in Long Island, but then I got a job, in, I got a, um, an invitation for a job in Valley City, North Dakota. I had to look at where that was on the map. Then I found out how cold it was. The Lord was ordering my steps before I was saved because I had to go to Valley City, North Dakota. That's where I got saved for there one year. I still had my name on that uh, teacher's agency list. And when there came an opening at St. Anne's School, I had images and visions of palm trees and, sun, and sandy seashores and the temperature change. So the Lord had to bring me to North Dakota to get saved. Actually, I had to go to North Dakota, not just to get out of New York, but to get the New York out of me. And then bring me back here. And that's where... Charlene and I met down here. Charlene had an opportunity to do a residency in California and was rejected and got another opportunity down here in South Florida. So it looked like what was a denial was not a denial at all. It was just a little nudge redirecting and ordering her paths. I want to talk to you today about mid-course direction and how the Lord helps us, sometimes push or nudge comes to shove. Look, Take a look at this, these photos up here. You, you see four steering wheels up there of a car, a cruise ship, uh, a sailboat, and a jetliner, passenger airplane. All of those have steering devices that would lead that vehicle on a straight path make believe you're driving a car put your hands on your steering wheel with me right now would you what are you always doing with that steering wheel even if you're driving down a straight path you're making constant adjustments Why? Because the road, you think it's flat, there's a crown in the road, there's a slight dip to the left. You might have potholes, you might have that construction that's going on here. you got all kinds of stuff that you're constantly readjusting the steering of that car in order to walk or to drive along that path. That's how the Lord does us. Look at this, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, it says this isaiah was prophesying this during the divided kingdom between when israel divided themselves into two kingdoms the north kingdom and the south kingdom judah and israel he said this if you wander off the road really when you wander off the road when you go to the road to the left or to the right if you decide to go astray You're going to hear this voice inside you say, this is the way, walk ye in it and follow it. The Lord has a unique, uncanny way about leading us, guiding us, steering us into his ways. I found this about years ago. There used to be a commercial way long time ago. It said this, what's one drop of water? Nothing. But you put enough of them together and what do you got? A flood. What's one grasshopper? Nothing. But put enough of them together, you got a plague. And it went through several, And it says, what's one piece of litter? Nothing. But you put enough of them together and what do you got? Pollution. This is about a one degree difference in the course of your travel. What's one degree seem like? At the start of a journey, it doesn't seem like anything. But after 100 yards, it's 5.2 feet of a difference. After one mile, it's 92 feet difference. If you were to drive from San Francisco to Los Angeles and be off course one degree, you're going to end up six miles off course. If you were to fly from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., you would end up 42.6 miles. Off course. If you were to fly around the world from Washington, D.C. and start off with one degree off course, you would end up in Boston, 435 miles off course. So what's one little degree off course? Nothing. But you put enough of them together. And sometimes we wonder, how in the world did I get here? We're singing Abba Father. That song, the Holy Spirit is what is who quickens us to get to know the Father. Jesus said, All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, the Holy Spirit will take of mine and reveal or it disclose it to you. It's the heart of the Father that nurtures and navigates. It's the, the heart of the, the Father that admonishes and correction and brings correction. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 says, Do not despise the chastening of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Father loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, Now these things happen to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So the scriptures, the Old Testament, Genesis all the way to Malachi, and the New Testament from Matthew all the way to Revelation were written for our instruction. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says this, whatever things were written in earlier times, They were written for our instruction or from our learning so that we through patience or perseverance and the comfort and the encouragement of the scriptures might have hope. You realize one of the signs of the end times are there going to be those who are ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. The Lord wants us to have a knowledge of his truth like we've never had before. So think about it as God's path for us is already laid out and mapped out. Years ago, for about 10 years, I I served as a motorcycle instructor for the MSF, which is the Motorcycle Safety Foundation. And during that time, there was classroom instruction, teaching. And there was time on the range, teaching. And the rider coaches, there was no more than ever 10 riders. The rider coaches would explain A path of travel, curves and cones, entry points, midpoints, exit points, and key landmarks along the path of travel that the riders were supposed to follow. Then the rider coach got on one of the motorcycles and demonstrated it while the other rider coach was instructing the 12 students. After the rider coach finished, he came back. Now, the rider coaches were... Strategic in who they picked as the first person to go online. You think? Somebody that's been paying attention, somebody that's been a good listener, and somebody that demonstrated a fair amount of motorcycle skills. And we instructed numbers two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Now, if you're number 12, you got the best seat in the house because you have 11 people that are going before you. To watch and follow their path of travel. Whatever they do good, follow that. If they make a right turn and end up on Forest Hill Boulevard somewhere, don't do that. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11 says, Be diligent to enter that rest, lest any man fall through following the same example of disobedience or unbelief. So there are examples of Old Testament saints There's examples in this local church, men and women, that have had years of life under their belt, years of experience. We can learn from them and glean from them. And the Bible says that those things that were written in earlier time were written for our instruction. My wife Charlene's a math teacher. They have gadgets that we never had. The highest level of technology that we had in school was a mimeograph machine and then we got into the 20th century what a overhead projector! overhead projector they've got smart boards where they write on the board and everything is up there and it automatically goes to youtube and the kids go boop 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 and they can watch the thing or do their homework on youtube there are examples for us to follow why should we learn the hard way why don't we learn the easy way look at this now I want to give you some lessons for learning. God reveals his plan in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man in the image of God. He created them. Male and female, he created them. He told Adam, look, I'm going to create you to rule and have dominion all the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over every creeping thing on the earth. Rule and have dominion. Keep and dress the garden. Cultivate it and keep it from intruders. You can eat freely from anything. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. Adam and Eve thought that old Ford commercial, that they had a better idea and chose not to obey God's freedom and liberty. They went against what he said. And that pattern of know-it-all, of pride and arrogance and disobedience was passed on to all the generations that to come and still carries on the earth today. You talk about a mid-course direct correction. We found out that evil and corruption just was all over the earth and God said, I'm going to send the flood and wipe them all out. We're going to start over. How's that? for mid-course correction. God's plan would not be frustrated or altered. God found a man who was, found grace in His sight, Noah, and Noah built the ark and started with a new family. And that's where Abraham came, from one of Noah's sons. And God made a covenant with Abraham. And Abraham had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob had Joseph and others. And that, that, that nation, that family grew and grew and grew. The thing was, God told Abraham, said, look, you're going to be a blessing. I want you to go out into the land. And when you get into the land, you're going to be blessed. And, he said, and God told Abraham to go into the land of Canaan. But when Abraham got there, he saw there was a famine. And went back into Egypt. God said, go to the Canaan. Abraham saw with his eyes and was walking by Sight and went to Egypt. And you know the rest of the story. 400 years in Egypt, the children of Israel grew, the Egyptians became fearful, and God said, I can't have this. God raised up Moses, another man after God's own heart. And God told Moses, I want you to lead the people. Listen to this. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18, it says this. Then when Pharaoh came and had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. The shortcut, the short method would have been to lead them in the way of the Philistines. But God said, no, 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 not going to do that. Lest they perhaps change their minds when they see war war, and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness by the Red Sea. Did God know what he was doing when he directed their paths? Absolutely. How many of us here this morning have had our paths, our walk redirected by the hand of God? We're all here today because of that. Because of that, even in the midst of the wilderness, God provided manna. God provided manna and provided for them. And God said, okay, I'm going to bring you through by a great deliverance. God had a promise that he was going to bring them out of Egypt. But that wasn't all of the promise. He said, I'm going to bring you out that I might bring you in. How does that apply to us today? As great as a deliverance that God brought us out from the bondage of sin and death and hell. Greater than that is what God wants to do to bring us in to his promised land and our our rich relationship with the Lord Jesus. If God demonstrated his love towards us while we were sinners and he sent Christ to die for us while we were sinners, how much more does he want to do to us now when we call upon him and say, Abba, Father. So God brought them out that he might bring them in so now they're in the land of promise now they're in the promised land and god raised up judges and god raised up kings and god raised up david and david's son solomon solomon was rich in wisdom david was a man after god's own heart david committed murder and adultery solomon followed after the ways of the world and would marry and was marrying outside of his inheritance And God saw that they were continuing to turn away from God. Civil war broke out and the kingdom, the Israelites broke into two kingdoms, the North Kingdom, the South Kingdom, Judah and Israel. And even in the midst of that, God was raising up prophets to declare the word of the Lord. Elijah had a message. He was preaching and he said, look, if God be God, serve God. If Baal be Baal, serve Baal. Why are you wavering between two opinions? And the Bible says, this is probably one of the scariest altar calls that I ever heard. And the people answered him, not a word. There's choices that we're making today. The Lord spoke to the children of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy when he was renewing their covenant. Behold, I set before you, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Therefore, hint, choose life. Directing, realigning, guiding, and teaching us along the way. Even during that time in the promised land when when the kingdom was divided, Isaiah was prophesying about the coming Messiah. Even in the midst of their wayward heart, even in the midst of their wayward eyes, God would be sending prophets to restore hope for the future. Isaiah prophesied in chapter 9, The Lord Lord himself will give you a son, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase and of his government and peace, there shall be no end. To order it and to establish it he said in chapter seven therefore the lord himself will give you a sign a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel which is God with us Jeremiah prophesied Isaiah prophesied Elijah prophesied but they were distracted by their own rebellion and that rebellion forced them out of the promised land into exile and the babylonians came in and took them captive and took everything they had it would seem like when the temple was destroyed and they lost everything that that would be the end of the rope but daniel prophesied and he said in my vision at night i looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven Daniel said, I will not compromise. When you call me to pray, I'm going to pray. I will not bend, I will not bow, and I will not burn. And God's looking for people in the earth today who will not compromise with the pressures and the seductions and the leaven and the enticements of the world. That are It's like a little leaven that leavens the whole lump. You say, what's... That little drop, what's that little grasshopper? What's that little piece of litter? What's that little one degree off course? A heart that wavers is a heart that wanders. A heart that wavers and wanders is a a heart that looks away. A heart that looks away soon thereafter is a heart that falls away. Lord, help us. Ezekiel was the one there during the exile that prophesied that he would take their heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. Even in the midst of exile, God's prophets were still speaking. Hebrews chapter 1 says this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets and many portions in many ways, they didn't have email They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Snapchat. They didn't have whatever other kind of social media they have. But they had the prophets who were prophesying the word of the Lord. The word of God. The grass may wither. The flower may fade. But the word of the Lord shall stand forever. And even in the midst of that silence... In the book of Hebrews, it says, when he spoke through the fathers and the prophets, in these days, he has spoken to us in his son. So after, after that year of exile, there was approximately 400 years of silence. It seemed like God had stopped speaking. But what the prophets have declared was the word of the Lord. And what God prophesied, the prophetic clock was still going tick-tock. The prophetic clock was ticking. God was moving emperors and kingdoms and tribes and people groups and nations to fulfill the promise of the Father that there would be one son born in Bethlehem who is the seed of David who is Christ the Lord. And even though it looked like it was quiet, even though it looked like it was dark, even though it looked like there was nothing being said, God was working out his plan. And there's times when we walk around and sometimes it seems like the heavens are brass. Has God been speaking? Not only is he speaking, He has decided to take his abode in us. Now listen, when the children of God were in the wilderness, what did God provide for them for 40 years? Manna, manna. Oh, that was a provision that God blessed them. But the moment they entered into the promised land, What happened to the manna? It stopped. When they were in the desert, how many of you know the desert is not the best place for farming and agriculture? So God had to supernaturally provide manna from heaven. But once they entered into the promised land, Psalms 37 says this, Be faithful, be diligent, trust in the Lord, dwell in the land, cultivate faithfulness. They were supposed to cultivate and dwell in the land which God gave them so that they would eat off the fruit of the land which was promised to overflow with milk and honey. You may say, well, I feel like I'm in the wilderness. Well, guess what? Even if you're in the wilderness, he provides manna. But in the promised land, God gives us the grace... To cultivate what he's given us so we can partake of the vine and eat the bread of life and dwell and taste and see that the Lord is good. You say, well, I'm still dependent on the Lord, the Lord to feed me. The book of Hebrews warns about those who ought to be teachers. But though still consider them babes because they, they don't know how to partake of meat, they, they're still partaking of milk. But solid food is because of the mature, because of experience, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. God wants us to eat off the land which he's provided for us. During these years of silence, it's his faithfulness that continues to draw the drifter, to woo the wanderer, to welcome the wayward and lead the lost and guides and reaches out to the rebellious. God is still working amongst his people. Young people that are getting ready to go to college. People that are getting ready to go out out of college and to graduate and go into the real world. God is saying, I am setting you on the shores of the River Jordan. Prepare yourself. Sanctify yourself because in three days you're going to go out and possess the land. But he's going to send the presence of God that's going to lead you and guide you. In the, in the wilderness the Lord guided them by a pillar of, of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to lead them by the way both by day and night. But in the promised land, I want you to no, it was the shekinah presence he didn't dwell in tent, he dwelt among them hallelujah to god to lead them and to guide them he gathers together the outcast of israel and binds their wounds and heals the brokenhearted who brings the chaos back into order and makes the orphan his son and daughter hallelujah to god has god been nudging you late you lately Has God been prompting you? While it was silent, God turned the silence into salvation. We said we found out the last week that there was grace in a manger in the form of a child. But that grace in the manger didn't stop in the manger. I want you to know the grace was made flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Christ Jesus the Lord was grace in the flesh. I want you to know that he was grace at the cross. When we, when Jesus raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and over every name that is named, so that in the ages to come he might show us the surpassing riches of his grace paul told the church at ephesus in acts chapter 20 brethren i commend to you the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you your inheritance among those who are sanctified he gives us confident access hebrews 12 to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need look at this I want to show you some points right now about the mid-course correction. Some of us are in the middle of a mid-course correction right now. Some of us, the Lord is preparing you for the changes that are going to come. Some of you, the Lord has already been preparing. you. Some of you may feel like I'm still in that place of darkness and the Lord wants to bring you out and say, no, 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 no. I'm going to turn the The silence into salvation. Hallelujah. Why does God bring us and lead us along his way? The first reason is because God is watching over his promises. All the promises of God in him are yes and amen. Jeremiah 1.12 says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. I said earlier about this being the New Testament. God raised Jesus from the dead to probate His last will and testament. And as heirs of God and children of God, we're joint heirs with Christ. And we are living in the the, the season, the dispensation of grace, where he wants to guarantee that this new covenant is made alive in our lives. God is working out his plan around you. Orchestrating, moving people, moving jobs, moving relationships. I just really sense the Lord is wanting to do new things in relationships because relationships that are fractured go from fractured relationships to fractured relationships. And the Lord wants to bring relationships into a place where he can knit us together and be the body of Christ that he wants us to be. And then lastly, God is working out his good pleasure in you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 says this, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean you're earning your salvation. That means, man, God's doing something in me, and I get, Lord, I need you to help me, and I'm practicing how to keep my mouth closed. I'm practicing how to not get angry. I'm practicing how to be patient. That's working out what God's already working in. He said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and do of your good pleasure.